Welcome to the Old Man's Podcast, and this is episode 12. Trying something new on this episode, we're going to have a listener's stories episode. So several listeners, many different listeners have sent in stories or comments directly related to the golden pandemic-free age of the 80s. 1980s was a different time, sure, that was 30 to 40 years ago. Everything about it was different. It's fun, interesting to go back, reminisce, tell stories. Depends where you're at in your life now, but the 80s might have been maybe your favorite time in your lifetime. So I hope you'll enjoy this. I'm going to read a number of stories from listeners, and that's going to be what this entire episode is about. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's get it started. All right, listener stories. First one that got sent in was from a young listener. She identifies herself as a young person. Aaron sent in a comment about fashion and how a particular fashion item for women that was popular in the 80s has come back now in recent times, and she's glad it did. She loves it. She calls it the mom jeans, and I know what she's referring to. Mom jeans, of course, are those high-waisted, long pants jeans or shorts jeans. That She likes those. She thinks they're comfortable, uh, fashionable, and she's glad that came back. And boy, is she right. The, the 80s, when, you, when I think of the 80s fashion, mom jeans has to be part of that thought process. Anybody that knows me would not argue with the statement that I know nothing about fashion. Now, I did do a brief segment a while back on men's fashion and how things always come back. Don't throw your old clothes away if they still fit because they're going to come back. Mom jeans being a great example of that. But uh, I'm going to tell you what I think about 80s fashion. After all, this is my podcast, so I get to do the talking and the storytelling. In the 80s, was uh, for women, was big hair. In the 70s, it was long hair, but it was parted down the middle and feathered back, guys and gals alone. You know, we didn't have any kind of particular style, I don't think, hairstyle for the, for the times before the 80s. But the 80s definitely had a women's hairstyle, and that's the big hair. I mean, a lot of money was made by companies that sold hairspray and products like that because the gals had to have their hair big. I remember I was teaching high school at the time, and... Uh, you could maybe get three or four of them walking down the hallway at the same time. Many more than that, it was going to be tough because they were taking up a lot of space just with that hair. And they were not going to let it get messed up. When I think of clothing fashions um, in the 80s for women, 
I think about comfort. It, it seemed like the clothing was, it, sure, it wanted, they wanted to look good, they wanted it to be flashy and be attention getting, but it seems like it was more, the highlight items of the 80s were more like comfort items. You know, as I see it, going from the 50s through the 60s and 70s, for women anyway, clothing became, um, how about less, less of it. When you think of the 50s and uh, sock hops and girls with ponytails and knee length skirts, you know, they could still look sexy, if you will, by wearing, they'd wear tight fitting clothing, uh, skirts and even uh, pants were, although I think girls in the 50s probably wore skirts as much as, if maybe not more than, than um, pants, but the, you know, they form fit, that's fine, that, that, that gives that, um, that gives that look. You don't have to show anything per se. You don't have to show skin. You, you can uh, leave a little bit to the imagination. Mae West, some of the uh, bombshells from around the Second World War and shortly thereafter, boomer bombshells, were famously known for wearing tight-fitting sweaters. And you think, well, how can a sweater be sexy if it fits tight and everything else is left to your imagination, but you're able to uh, discern the form that's pretty sexy for men. It was back then and it probably still is now. As we went into the 60s and 70s, of course, clothing and fashion was important, but it seemed like we got less and less of it. Less to the imagination, more for the eye to see. Hot pants, right? Mini skirts. The bikini. The bikini, interestingly enough, um, this is a little known fact maybe, the Bikini Atoll was an island in the South Pacific that the first hydrogen bomb major test was conducted at by the United States Army. They blew up an island in the South Pacific, the Bikini Atoll and a bunch of boats and everything. And it was hot and it was, they made a big deal about it. And you could see the sun, like it looked like the sun because the atomic explosion, the hydrogen explosion, it went off. And somebody thereafter, came up with the two-piece swimming suit, which had not become quite that popular. It got the name Bikini after the recently blown up Bikini Atoll because it was so hot. There you go, there's your, um, there's your fashion trivia statement for the episode. But going back to it, I think you'll agree with me that women's fashion through the 60s and 70s became less clothes more, as much as different kinds of clothes. But in the 80s, that trend kind of stopped. I guess it had to, right? I mean, you can only go so far before there's no clothes involved at all. Exercise became, working out became very important in the 80s. I think of Jane Fonda and the, um, you know, her aerobics videos and all that. And leg warmers with tights and the leotards that went over the tights all became very popular. This, this the idea of aerobics and workout clubs and getting exercise, power walking was big and the women would do power walking in those like track suits or jumpsuits, whatever you want to call it, or all matching the pants match with the jacket and they were fashion minded with that, but it was still for exercise. Same thing with the leotards and the tights and the leg warmers. The uh, sweatshirt, they didn't have a collar, but it had a wide neck and it would kind of fall off the shoulder. Think flash dance on that one. That became very popular. So. When, when I think of 80s fashion for women, as, as I remember it, it was, items were big and comfy, and I would argue that was a, a direction change from less and less clothes. That, uh, it just became 
comfort oriented and that may be a fashion trend that still exists today that the, the movement for comfort clothing might have started in the 80s we look now at one of the most popular items for women anywhere we call them yoga pants but i think the ladies call them tights um I, I don't wear them as you can imagine so i'm not sure what they're called but you see them everywhere right and i'm i i'm told by women that wear tights or yoga pants that they are very comfortable and that's why they wear them they wear them recreationally just around they wear them with the, with exercise they also wear them in fashion gals can wear the tights with a, a large shirt that almost fits as a skirt and you're fairly fashionable at that point big night out so that's a that's a movement for comfort and maybe that goes back to fashion trends that started in the 80s i don't know somebody else much smarter than me and much more into fashion might know and i'll tell you what because this is a diverse podcast directed towards both men and women and young and old if we've got somebody out there a listener out there that knows a thing or two about fashion would you please hit me with an email i'd love to have you on uh, the podcast as a guest speaker and talk about fashion particularly women's fashion I, I look at the analytics and i know i've got more male listeners and female listeners but it doesn't hurt us guys to hear what you ladies uh, have to say about fashion after all we're buying anniversary gifts christmas gifts birthday presents all that kind of stuff if we had a little bit of background information about what ladies like to wear and why they like to wear yeah, that could be helpful for everybody so if I got a listener out there, young lady in particular, or old lady in particular, I guess you wouldn't want to call yourself an old lady, older, uh, a veteran female, one that knows a little bit or thinks she knows a little bit about fashion, would love to hear from you in an email and it will get you on and have a little bit about women's fashion. That email, in case you haven't heard it enough, the old man's email at yahoo.com, all one word, the old man's email at yahoo.com would love to have a volunteer guest speaker talk to us stupid men about women's fashion it'd be fun Okay, next listener story. So I had a real nice dialogue with this young man. He identifies himself as New Listener Ryan. Now, New Listener Ryan freely admits he was not there for the 80s. And his assessment of the 80s came to me in one word. He used one word to describe what he thought about the 80s. And that word was cheesy. That's right, cheesy. Now, at first, having gone through the 80s and really enjoyed the 80s, I think my initial reaction was I was a little bit offended. But calm down. I'm not in charge of the 80s. It's not up to me to defend the 80s. So let me drill down with you here, Ryan, a little bit. Why do you say that? And that's the question I asked to him. Ryan was born in the early 90s, so he didn't live through the 80s. And his opinion is based on what he's seen of the 80s through movies. Ryan's a huge movie buff. He's seen many, many movies about the 80s. And as we kick this thought back and forth of why he thinks the 80s were cheesy, 
I quickly learned that his assessment is based on movies that he's seen. Now, Ryan's notion of movies, wide range, he loves all sorts of movies. But in the, in the 80s, he felt like the movies were very predictable. That's one of his defining characteristics of why he said the 80s were cheesy, because the movies were predictable. And as we kicked this notion back and forth between the two of us, we kind of came to the conclusion that the two big genres that he's referring to in the 80s, the romantic comedy, rom-com, really became, I don't even know if it was invented in the 80s, but it certainly became quite popular in the 80s. I'm not gonna start naming them, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, 16 Candles, those are two to jump out, but there's many, many more that that, that genre of movie, the romantic comedy, did have its uh, birth, or at least its uh, came of age in the 80s. Another genre of movies that he really likes, but again, he says are cheesy, is the uh, action hero movie. There was a heyday of action movie heroes in the 80s, no question about it. You had Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, Sylvester Stallone was doing more like Rambo stuff, that's an action hero, but you had Van Damme, you had Steven Seagal doing movie after movie after movie, many, many new releases every year. Action hero movies really are kind of unique to the 80s. You know, there were, of course, hero movies in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, John Wayne, and lots of other heroes that were doing heroic things and heroic movies, sometimes flawed characters, sometimes outright hero the whole time. But the action hero of the 80s, this was a kind of a new thing. It was Van Damme, it was Seagal, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The characters portrayed in these action movies were killers, former military and karate champions and could kill you 50 different ways and fight 100 guys at a time. It was Bruce Lee and those kinds of action heroes. They might be a flawed character, but they were going to rescue people or salvage the, the situation, save people. The world was gonna be a better place after they did whatever it is that they did and their moral character would be better off for finally having done something right. Some, that was the story behind the whole thing. I got a quick plug for you here. I'm gonna be kicking plugs around for Netflix. They are not sponsors of the Old Man Podcast. I don't owe them anything, but many of us, of course, are Netflix subscribers. There's a series on Netflix right now called something along the lines of the movies that made us, the movies from the 80s. It's Ghostbusters and Home Alone and uh, Dirty Dancing, some other movies, but they do talk about the Die Hard franchise that got started in the 80s. Now, this was a nice twist, and this is coming from that movie, so watch watch it on Netflix. I think you'll like it. It's probably five or six episodes looking at a different movie in each of the episodes. The one that does Die Hard, I thought was really interesting because they made the point that in Die Hard, the uh, character that Bruce Willis played John McClane was a new kind of action hero. So Willis was not John Claude Van Damme, not even Chuck Norris, certainly no Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bruce Willis is a wisecracking police officer, kind of a normal dude. Yeah, he had training like a police officer would. He could handle himself and he could handle a firearm. 
But other than that, he was kind of a regular guy. Any of us could do what Bruce Willis did, or at least that's what we believed anyway. I couldn't do Von Damme karate kicks, and I couldn't lift up a Volkswagen like Schwarzenegger, but I think I could handle myself in a firearm kind of like Bruce Willis. He seemed normal, that John McClane character. And that was the interesting thing this movie points out about the Die Hard series was that the action hero became kind of normalized, just a regular guy, had a sense of humor and um, was more relatable. Later on we get Eddie Murphy does some action hero movies and it sort of changed the whole trajectory of where the action hero was going to go. So anyway, going back to new listener Ryan and his thoughts on the 80s being cheesy, he's pretty much basing that just on movies that he watched and those two genres right there the rom-com and the action hero yes they are predictable movies you know what's going to happen he's going to save the day the action hero is and him and her are going to get together in a rom-com we don't know the story behind how that's going to happen the comedy of errors they may have started as best friends or worst of enemies or anything in between but they're going to get together and you can predict that in the first five minutes of watching the movie same thing with the action hero five minutes in i know what's going to happen he's going to save the day the journey to the saving of the day or the journey to those two people getting together it's just that journey the journey that's going to get us there that was the movie the outcome was decided when the movie concept was made so yeah ryan i'll go with you on that one the 80s might have been cheesy in the movies but it was cheesy because it was predictable i don't know about you but right now in 2020 predictable sounds pretty good i have to admit a little bit anyway i miss the 80s and i miss predictable do you miss predictable you probably do as well wouldn't some predictable be pretty good right now I got a really nice submission from a listener, James. James identifies himself as a Gen Xer. Said he's been listening to the podcast and finds it interesting and entertaining. Well, thank you, James. I appreciate that. He's a Gen Xer. He loved watching TV with the entire family back in the day. Gave me his list of the top 10 80s TV shows. And remember, you Gen Xers are the last of the TV generation. So. This is gospel right here. This is coming from an expert. He's got 10 TV shows listed here. I don't know if they're like, this is number one, followed by number two, or if he just has them in there in a random order, but he started, came heavy, came heavy with number one. He's got Cheers. And if any television show depicted the 80s better than the rest, Cheers is it. Man, we watched them guys. We lived their lives, Norm and Sam and all of them, the relationships and their lives. We lived those too. And that was, Cheers was a great show. Number two, he has the Dukes of Hazard. Yes, I don't know how old you are, James, but you were in middle school then. Your first celebrity crush was definitely Daisy Duke. A lot of celebrity crushes on Daisy Duke, a whole fashion trend. 
And Aaron sent in about fashion. I'm not gonna go to the Daisy Dukes on that one. Got a name for them, right? Family Ties is number three, the Alex P. Keaton one. That thing, that was a hilarious show. I love that one. Equally funny, number four, WKRP in Cincinnati. Remember the one with the turkeys and the, the guy threw the turkeys out of the helicopter? It was, that is one of the funniest bits I've ever seen. He's got number five, Happy Days. I feel like Happy Days is sort of a carryover that it was 70s and 80s, but it was a great show too. We lived with that family as they grew up and we kind of grew up with them. That was a really good television show, Happy Days. Knight Rider, that was a drama action one of television's first action shows, I think, was Knight Rider. Chips, same thing. That was one of the first police kind of dramas, action shows, California Highway Patrol, Chips. We liked those two guys, and it was exciting, and the good guys always won, and the bad guys always got caught. Chips was fantastic. The Incredible Hulk is what James has for number eight, and that's an interesting um, contrast. So the 1980s Hulk, was just a big dude, Lou Ferrigno, painted green. Now in 2000s, 20 or 30 years later, Hulk is a CGI with uh, some guy's face on it, and it looks like the Hulk is supposed to look. He can jump over mountains and stuff like that. Tells you how far its entertainment and technology has come. But I did like the Hulk with Lou Ferrigno. That was a good one. Number nine James has is the A-Team, and you got the pity the fool that didn't like the A-Team. A-Team was great. And I, use, I still use um, cliche statements from, from the uh, A-Team all the time. I love it when a plan comes together, that kind of stuff. That was great. Number 10, Different Strokes, was that not hilarious? So that's James's top 10 80s TV shows. He put down, uh, he's asking me for my thoughts, and I'm going to give you one. My one favorite, number one, no doubt about it, from the 80s is Miami Vice. I love Miami Vice. Of course, I'm in my 20s here, my mid-20s, late 20s, going through the 80s. So that's my wheelhouse, right? Exciting, fast cars, beautiful women, fast living, lots of action. It was something that a guy in his 20s might dream of. I remember I even was dressing like the characters wearing the the uh, jacket, the leisure jacket, and uh, the pants, and the um, like a t-shirt that was some kind of coral color or something like that, and shoes without socks. You know, that, that I, yeah, I did. I dressed like Sonny Crockett on Miami Vice. I'm embarrassed to say it now. Come on, if you've been, if you're over 40, you got some fashion in your past and you try to keep it a closet. There's pictures of you, you don't want out either, right? We've all done it. We've all done the fashion, embarrassing thing that we don't want to remember. I do know this about Miami Vice, it was on Friday nights. I know that because I could never watch it. And I saved up for uh, a few months to afford something that was kind of a new invention at the time called a VCR, video cassette recorder. Maybe you've heard of that. They were not cheap, but you could get one at Radio Shack for a reasonable price. I stayed up for a little while because I was never home on Friday. Again, being in my 20s, Friday, Friday evening was happy hour time. My good buddy Bill managing a bar called Bogarts, and he moved to some other places. But me and 
lot of guys my age, uh, a group of friends, a gaggle of friends, like-minded individuals seeking Friday night action, seeking some weekend action. We would go out to various places and having a, having a friend that was managing a place at the time just made it that much easier. So there was absolutely no chance I was going to be home on a Friday evening to watch Miami Vice. How else were you going to be able to watch it? There wasn't a DVR, but there was such a thing as a VCR. So I had bought one at Radio Shack, learned how to hook it up, and every Friday you would make sure that you had it programmed and then you had the clock set right and the tape had, that you were going to use had enough room on it and you'd go off and come home late Friday night or maybe on Saturday you'd watch your VCR recording. In this case, it was going to be Miami Vice. Yeah, that was my first VCR was for Miami Vice. Ah, those good old days. Kind of miss them. How about you? And our last listener story comes from listener Kristen. Kristen was born in 1980, so she was a little girl, a young child in the 80s. And that was cool because she gets to give us a different kind of twist. She wasn't um, not in the 80s and giving us her impression of the 80s from outside of that time period. And she wasn't a teenager or an adult during the 80s. She was a little girl. Kristen grew up in a rural setting, a small town uh, in Missouri. And she has small town memories, but she has real fond memories of growing up in the 80s. That new Netflix hit, Stranger Things, is set in the 80s. She describes her life a lot like that Netflix series, Stranger Things, looks to us. If you're a youngster and you weren't in the 80s and you've watched Stranger Things and you know what the 80s was like. She describes life. She'd get on her bike and go out riding. It's go to wherever she needed to go, wherever her friends were. Kids get home from school, they go out with their friends, maybe do their homework, come home for dinner, weekends or days that you didn't have school, you're out with your friends all the time. That was the 80s. You saw that in that Netflix series, Stranger Things, and that was real. And I think maybe the 80s, to some degree, was the last time in our society where kids were free range, just kind of riding around doing whatever they were. Kristen's a mother of two young kids now, and they don't do that. And she uh, kind of fondly misses those days. I don't know that as a parent that she'd want her kids doing that now. I think we see the world as just a much more dangerous place, right, wrong, or indifferent. Whether we do or not, I think that we do. And that's changed. Back in the 80s, for whatever reason, we saw the 80s as a safer time. Uh, society being dangerous was just something we thought about. And having our kids out there free-ranging it, so to speak, wasn't that much of a concern. Not like it is now, anyway. Kristen shared some stories with me about the toys that she was playing with. See if this doesn't ring any bells and bring back any memories. She uh, had strawberry patch toys, Care Bears. She played with uh, Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. I remember those being big back in the 80s. Rainbow Bright. She had, Kristen had two brothers, so the, the gender-specific toys weren't really present for her growing up. Her brothers had He-Man and G.I. Joe, 
she played along with those toys just like they did transformers uh, battle cats what was interesting to me that Kristen had to say was all of those toys or a lot of those toys that she's talking about were tied into tv shows strawberry patch transformers my little pony battle cats he-man all that kind of stuff they were toys, but they were tied into TV shows that the kids were watching. And that's pretty interesting. Was that the first era, you think, in the 80s where toys and media, in this case, children's TV, tied in together? And the marketing, you know, obviously, you're trying to make some money off both the TV show and the toys. Was that a thing specifically to the 80s? I'm just thinking out loud. What's your thoughts on that? Toys and TV shows coming together was that the 80s that that happened. Kristen talked about the primetime TV. It's and she said she thinks primetime TV in the 80s was more kid or at least family oriented. She mentioned shows that they liked to watch when she was growing up, The Cosby Show, Full House, Family Matters, Different Strokes, Alf. How she felt like that was all family oriented and TV now 30, 40 years later, you got the dramas, the CSIs, and uh, SUVs. That might be a car. I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. All these police dramas and Chicago this and Chicago that. All these drama TVs shows are big now. But back when she was a kid, it seemed like TV was more, had more kid-friendly stuff, some of the shows that she mentioned. And then she went on to say she thinks that's probably true because now... TV, terrestrial TV, over-the-air TV is watched by adults. Kids are streaming, kids are watching uh, channels and stations and, and uh, apps that are specifically for kids, like the Disney app or Nickelodeon channel, those kinds of things. So it would make sense then that kid-oriented, child-oriented TV wouldn't be regular TV that that's for, well, us old people. And I think she's got a strong point there. If you look at the content on broadcast TV, that's not really child-oriented by design because kids aren't watching it. They're watching cable channels, streaming off the Disney Channel. Kristen remembered fondly, again, she had two brothers, watching professional wrestling in the 80s. She talked about two channels, WCW, and WWF. I'm not much of a professional wrestling guy. She's a professional wrestling gal. She knew a lot about it. Her and her brothers were watching that on Saturdays and she talked about the Hulkster. And yeah, I do remember Hulk Hogan becoming a big deal in the 80s. I don't know, was the 80s the heyday of professional wrestling when it really went from, uh, you know, the Friday night or Sunday afternoon? Did wrestling go from where it was just kind of a carnival event in before that to being a, a big deal in the 80s? I think probably it did. I, there's more people that know a lot more about professional wrestling than I do. You never really saw it on the big screen, so to speak, or prime time. I guess that's what I'm saying. You never really saw wrestling as a prime time thing until the 80s. And the stars like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and many, many more became household names there in the 80s. Was, was the 80s, again, thinking out loud, was the 80s the heyday of professional wrestling? And where are we gone with that? Then Kristen started talking about movies. She made another really good point. When she thinks of kids' movies, 
didn't really think of the 80s much. Now, there were some, of course, E.T. and Karate Kid. By the way, here's another um, Netflix alert for you. It's called Cobra Kai. And if you remember the antagonist for Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence, Johnny Lawrence, that was his name. Yeah, Johnny Lawrence was uh, the karate guy that the karate kid fought in the uh, Valley Championships, and his dojo was Cobra Kai. Well, they got together, those two uh, people, Danny LaRusso, and I can't remember the guy that played Johnny Lawrence, but they're friends. I got it on Netflix. It may have been on AMC or something before that. I may be giving you old news that you already know about that's new to me called Cobra Kai, and it's a sequel. It's about what happens when these guys are older and their children are involved, and and the Johnny Lawrence character is bringing Cobra Kai Dojo back, and Danny LaRusso is a successful businessman that forgot his past and needs to go back to all the lessons that Mr. Miyagi taught him. If you liked the Karate Kid series, and boy did I, you might like this one. Try it out. There's another Netflix tip for you. Anyway, going back, Kristen was talking about movies and how she was racking her brain to think of a popular Disney movie from the 80s and she couldn't come up with one right offhand. So Disney animated movies anyway weren't doing real well, or at least we don't think they were doing really well in the 80s. The movies of the 80s weren't really for kids or about kids. The TV was where kids were getting their entertainment in the earlier mentioned TV series and the toys that they were playing with related to that. Disney wasn't doing a great job. Movies weren't made for kids. So that's Kristen's young kid, young girls, memories of the 80s, toys, TV shows, and movies. And don't you just miss a lot of that pandemic-free WWF entertainment, ALF, full house playing with G.I. Joes and not wearing a mask. Yeah, I miss those days and I bet you you do too. So there you have it. Some listeners, stories, remarks, comments, memories from the 80s. Thanks to all the folks that sent stuff in that gave me some ideas of things to talk about. Kind of wanted to walk down that memory lane. You know, I was uh, in my 20s, right out of college in the 80s. I graduated from college in the early 80s and getting my career started. So for me, the 80s was carefree. I had money for the first time in my life, maybe the last time in my life, because I didn't have much to spend it on. No family yet. And uh, those are different times. And if that happens for you in the 70s or the 90s, if you're at that point in your life, when you're in the 20-something, you have different kinds of memories than when you have, before you have a family and after you have a family. All good memories, but just different types of memories. But back in the 80s, whether you were in high school, whether you were a young person, 20-something with no commitment, or you had already started your family and were raising a family, the 80s were different. And the contrast between now and the 80s is really, really stark. The things that we did, things that we didn't have to do. Can you imagine back in 1985 ever thinking there was a time where you'd be quarantined in your own house and had to wear a mask to go out in public, indoors especially. Never could have dreamed that. 
Not even in the cheesiest movies could you have seen the world as it is now, where we have social media and internet and computers and Facebook, and you didn't see it coming 40 years ago. It makes me think, what is it going to be like 40 years from now when my kids are my age raising their families? What is the world going to be like? I, I hope, I believe, I think it's going to be a better place. And that's kind of been the conversation, hasn't it, of the old man's podcast that we see each generation make the world a better place. And every generation that we've talked to since does feel that they've made it a better place. And they can point to the different things that they've done and been in witnessed in their lifetimes and young lives still to come for the younger generations, the things that they hope to change the world. The world is a better place, but it's a more scary place. And it's a more complicated place. And that's why it's important for you to listen to the old man's podcast uh, so that there's somebody to help you get through that complication and that technology and all the confusion. I'm right here. I got it for you. Listen to the old man's podcast. Pass it on to everybody that you know so that they don't get confused, so that they can negotiate the modern world. The old man's podcast, it's for everybody. for the old man to take care of some business. I hope you enjoyed the trip down memory lane. We're done with the 80s now, guys. we got to move on. Hoping to talk to a boomer, do a conversation with a boomer for the next episode, and then we're going to wrap up this, what has been really a study in generations, the characteristics of generations and child-rearing techniques and our observations and our thoughts about the way we've been raised and the way we're raising our kids. That's how this podcast started off, veered off a few times, but I'm about to wrap all that up with the study of generations. It's been fun. Podcast will continue. I hope that you can pass this on to your friends and family. And if you can subscribe to this podcast, write me a quick review. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. It'll help me make this podcast more interesting and Help me get this podcast to be more listener-friendly. Male listeners, female listeners, old listeners, young listeners, it doesn't matter. We should be talking about topics that you're interested in. So if you get this podcast on a podcast delivery app, that can be Anchor, Spotify, Stitchers, all kinds of them out there. You should be able to go to that app and do a subscription first off, but also do a quick review and tell me what you like and what you don't like. If you are not listening to this podcast via podcast delivery app, you're just clicking the link and listening to it that way, that's fine too. But I really could use a quick email from you, your thoughts, what you wanna hear, what kind of content interests you, and that we can do that in future episodes. That email is the old man's email at yahoo.com. So that wraps up this episode. Everybody be safe out there. Get off my grass! Damn kids.